source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 88. I'm your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Melinda. And I'm back, it's John. And we are bringing you the latest news from movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and general news from the month of July. This includes everything from San Diego Comic Con, so we have a bunch to talk about there. We have a pretty big announcement related to movie news, which we'll discuss Briefly during movie news, but much more at length during the listener Q&As. So, with that, let's get into it, because there's a lot to get into. So let's get right into movie news. He changed something in the past. We have to find out what he changed, and change it back before they kill everyone on the planet. The, the first thing that we want to talk about is Just League Flashpoint. So while you're listening to this, Just League Flashpoint is available on Blu-ray and DVD. It, it came out on July 30th, so you can be sure to check your stores or buy it online so you can check it out. It has been available digitally for about a week and a half prior to the release of it on Blu-ray and DVD. So if you are unable to purchase it at the store, you can buy it online as a download also. We have a number of screenshots and videos and clips from the film itself that you can check out over on the website, as well as the YouTube page. You can also check out the clips there. Outside of Just League Flashpoint, which we'll talk more at length about that film next month uh, after we all have a chance to watch it, and you can also expect a commentary for that probably before the end of August as well. Outside of that, we do have some other non DC animated movie uh, news to talk about first. And the first thing is on July 1st, Entertainment Weekly reported that Christian Bale will not return for a Justice League or has any other plans to do a fourth Batman film. Obviously, Christian Bale has said numerous times that he had no intention of coming back unless Chris Nolan was going to do another one. Chris Nolan has said multiple times that he has no intention to do another one. So he actually was talking to Entertainment Weekly and said, We were incredibly fortunate to get to make three Batman films. That's enough. Let's not get greedy, says Batman, who called EW to promote his upcoming revenge drama Over the Furnace. Chris Nolan always said he wanted to make one film at a time, and we ended up sitting there looking at each other saying, We're about to make the third. We never really knew if we were going to get to be there, but if it was how it was going to be, this was where it should end as well. The actor says he hasn't been involved in official talks about the Justice League movie, and he said, I have no information, no knowledge about anything. I have literally had not had a conversation with a living soul. I understand that they may be making a Justice League movie. That's it. But he says he's not sad to pass Batman's column to new hands, and then he said it's a torch that should be handed from one actor to another. So I enjoy looking forward to what somebody else will come up with. So, Christian Bale not returning, that's not really that big of a surprise. Um, th there was some rumors that he was possibly in talks with Chris Nolan to do the Justice League film. Obviously, that's not happening, and Christian Bale puts that to rest that those rumors were actual rumors and never had any validity towards them at all. I feel like if there were enough zeros on the end of the check, 
that statement would change. But that being said, I'm really happy he's not returning as Batman. Not that I didn't think he did a great job, but I think that to 99% of moviegoers, that would just be really confusing because they've always maintained that the Dark Knight trilogy takes place in a... It, it stands on its own. It's not a part of a greater DC universe. So, yeah, as I said, I'm really happy that he is saying, no, I'm not coming back. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the same view. I think if he did do it and Chris Nolan came back, it would be... It, it would kind of ruin the trilogy because it's always been that standalone thing and it's been outside it and you know that's something that i quite enjoyed and i think it would make it a lot harder for it to be reconciled if they suddenly went oh by the way here's all these superpowers and i i actually am quite glad that christian mel's not doing it i mean i think he's been a very good batman but you know there's there comes a time when he kind of has to change a bit like james Bond, you don't want to see the same, whilst you enjoy an actor doing it for a certain amount of time, you don't want them doing it, to be honest, too long, because otherwise it gets really quite stale, they don't really ever move on from what they've done, because they're sort of stuck in a in a little bit of a rut, and I think, as well for Christian Bale, it's good, because you really don't want to get typecast at all. Um, which I think if he kept doing Batman films is something that he would, I think, be at risk happening to him because he, you know, they are such big films. So, you know, I think it's it's good really from, from an all-round point of view, to be honest. Yeah, I am not doubtful that um, if the zeros were on the check, he would return. I don't think it's about the money. I think it's more about the fact that he doesn't really want to return unless Chris Nolan's involved and if Chris Nolan is involved in any Justice League film, it's probably going to only be in an executive producer role, and that's that. So the next bit of news we have on July 2nd, Warner Brothers officially announced the Dark Knight trilogy, which we already heard about, but they released all the details. It will be a six-disc set that will feature Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises, as well as a number of new special features, including The Fire Rises, the creation and impact of the Dark Knight trilogy, which uh, basically has a number of exclusive interviews with different people, such as Guillermo del Toro, Damon Lindoff, Michael Mann, Richard Roper, Zack Snyder, and others, talking about the actual Dark Knight trilogy. There's another one called Christopher Nolan and Richard Donner, a conversation, and it's basically a conversation between Chris Nolan and Richard Donner, and they talk about bringing two of the most iconic superheroes to the big screen, and how Superman influenced Nolan when developing Batman Begins. Also, the IMAX sequences for The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises will also be included as in the actual original IMAX aspect ratio. Also included in the trilogy will be an ex- uh, exclusive new memorabilia, including premium Mattel Hot Wheels vehicles, the Batmobile, the Batpod, and the Tumblr. The... New commission collectible art cards by Mondo featuring Scarecrow, Joker, Bane, Harvey Dent, and Razo Ghoul, and a 48 page hardcover book featuring production stills and behind the scenes images from all three movies. So, this will be available, as I said, on September 24th. It will retail for $99.97. I'm sure you'll be able to find it cheaper than that on Amazon or other websites, but that's the retail price of what you will find it if you go to the store. I'm super excited that this has finally been announced and that they really did 
take such care with it and really made it worth waiting for. The art cards, the idea that there's all this behind-the-scenes content, the particularly the Fire Rises, the creation and impact of the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm I'm really curious to see that one because, you know, these movies really have such had such an impact not only across comic universe but across, you know, movies as a whole. So I'm I'm curious about what that's gonna show. I think it will certainly appeal to fans. I'm not entirely convinced that I'm going to be picking it up at all. I d- I, I'm I'm a little cynical when it comes to things like the the fire rises, the impact of the Dark Knight trilogy. They tend to sort of be interviews with these filmmakers who are then essentially told to desperately shoehorn Batman into whatever films that they that they make, and I don't I, I kind of don't want to know that they were directly influenced by that or see them sort of kind of really have to cram it in because I can't imagine Guillermo del Toro is you know his style is so different and so unique that really he's taken that much from what is quite a mainstream big film I just I'm not sold that it's going to be worth anything really writing home about to be honest I'm looking forward to it, probably more so for the merchandise than anything else. Three new special features, and that's all. It really doesn't make me feel like spending as much money as it costs. But I think that the merchandise is kind of cool. The fact that they've incorporated different merchandising companies, such as Mattel's Hot Wheels and Mondo, which they just started doing these uh, kind of art house movie posters recently, and to have them in- combined in that makes it a little bit more worth the money and understandably makes the the price a little bit higher than just the trilogy by itself, which has already been released. All right. So then next up July 19th during Comic-Con, this goes back to the animated films, the panel that for just league flashpoint or just league, the flashpoint paradox happened and they premiered the film. And after the premiere of the actual film, they announced the lineup for the movies for 2014. They mentioned that the first one will be called Just League War. This is based off of Jeff John's first story arc, Just League Origin, and is based off that first story arc from the New 52, focusing on the League coming together to battle someone bigger than any one of them could handle. Uh, this is expected in spring of 2014. Next up announced was a movie called Son of Batman, focusing on the 2006 Grant Morrison story Batman and Son, featuring the introduction of Damian Wayne into continuity. And then the other release will be hitting shelves, what we would we would suppose fall of 2014 or uh, late summer 2014, and it's called Batman Assault on Arkham, which we don't know for sure, but it is assumed at this point that it's based off of the events of what's occurring currently occurring in the Arkham verse with the video games and the fact that they also have comics related to the games as well. So Batman will be appearing in all three of these movies. So I uh, am supposing the fact that next year is actually the 75th anniversary of Batman seeing how they, I don't want to say necessarily drop the ball, but the fact that this year's movies that they released didn't really feature Superman a whole lot 
We have Superman Unbound, which did feature Superman, obviously, because he was the main character. But Justice League Flashpoint has really little to do with Superman, and Superman has a very small role in the film itself. And then earlier this year, we had the Justice League, or we had the uh, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2, which also had Superman in it, but not to a huge degree. So I think that next year, even though Batman sells, and we all know that Batman sells, they're making sure that they have plenty of films that have Batman, that they can focus on Batman, and they'll probably learn from their mistakes as far as the marketing of Superman's 75th anniversary next year for Batman, and we'll probably be seeing that Batman's 75th anniversary logo on a number of different items throughout the entire year. I think the most exciting thing for me to come out of that was the Batman and Son announcement. Huge fan of Damian Wayne, so I would love to see how they do his origin in animated form. And Dustin, I hope I hope you're right. I hope that they capitalize a little bit better on the 75th anniversary of Batman than they did on the anniversary of Superman, because they did just a really terrible job with that. Um, and it's it's good to see that Batman is going to have such a presence next year throughout the whole animated universe. It would have been nice to see Batman Assault on Arkham perhaps replaced by one of his more classic stories brought to the animated series. You know, I think, uh, well, myself and probably I, I'm guessing I'm going to say you guys as well and probably a lot of the fans out there, I think were perhaps maybe hoping for something a little bit bigger, maybe, you know, The Killing Joke or something along those lines that, yeah, it was it was a really big classic storyline to really mark the seventy fifth anniversary because it's you know it's quite a landmark occasion. It's it's three quarters of a century, so it would have been nice to have something bigger rather than some of the smaller storylines being made. Batman and Son, I I think is a good pick because I think it's about time that we introduce Damien into the mix even if he is dead in the comics. But at the same point, I think that the Assault on Arkham 1, we don't really know what it's about. It's going to be some time before we actually know anything about it because it's probably at least a year away at this point. Outside of that, I think that, John, you're probably a little bit, you sh- you're a little bit right. We should be seeing a little bit more of a classic story. And I'm I, I'm getting this odd suspicion that based off of what they've released this year with... Dark Knight Returns Part 2 coming out in January, which is essentially a continuation of Part 1, which was the third movie for last year, and then them only doing Superman Unbound and Justice League Flashpoint, that they're really trying to get down to only two movies a year, and the third movie is going to be some other movie. We also saw Lego Batman this year, but that had nothing to do with Warner Brothers, outside of it being Batman characters. So I think that What's happening is they're trying to focus their attention on probably a little bit larger projects, such as larger scale stories, like stories that spanned multiple years or over multiple different series throughout different months, like Flashpoint, like Batman and Son, and and then leave one of the, the movies to be not necessarily related to the comics, but kind of again, try to build that overall encompassing universe that Warner Brothers is really is really trying to do. 
You know, they've got merchandise for the video, for Batman Arkham Asylum, or Batman Arkham City and Arkham Origins. They've got uh, comics based off of it. They've got video games based off of it. They can do a movie, too. That incorporates basically four different areas of media into one specific topic. And I think that's what they're going to do. And I think we're probably going to see some other video games in the future, probably not Batman-related, to actually help that. But I think that's part of the reason of why they're doing this Arkham game. Alright, so the last bit of news is probably the biggest news out of San Diego, as hands down, at least by my my opinion. On July 20th, Warner Brothers had their their big panel at the, in Hall H, which if you don't know anything about Comic-Con, that's the biggest hall that holds thousands of people inside of it. And they had they, they just basically talked about all of their different projects that are upcoming, nothing having to do with Batman. And at the very end of the panel, after the panel was actually supposed to end, the moderator said he was supposed to introduce Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder came out, he confirmed that they are in fact going to be making a Man of Steel sequel and then thanked the fans for supporting it. Um, he then stalled for a, a little bit of time trying to... I guess, find the words to say. He introduced Henry Lennox, which if you saw the film, he played the army general that meets with Superman at the end of the film, who read this following quote, I want you to remember, Clark, in all the years to come, in all your private moments, in all the years to come, my hand at your throat. I want you to remember the one man who beat you. After the quote, a Batman Superman logo appeared on screen, revealing that it will feature Batman. The Los Angeles Times broke the story earlier in the day, citing two different sources, but obviously the sources ended up to be true. Henry Cavell will reprise his role as Superman, and at this point, who will play Batman uh, is up in the air, because the, the official press release stated that they are going to be casting a new Batman. Zack Snyder will return to direct the film, and this supposedly this film is said to be the setup to the collected DC Universe, and will now play, take the place of the originally planned Justice League film and release in 2015. And filming is supposed to start next year in 2014. So, without getting too much into it, just what did you guys think of the actual announcement of this? Well, I love the quote that they chose to use. I think it's really exciting uh, because we talked about how uh, we thought something, a pairing between the two of them would actually not necessarily be a terrible thing so i will save the rest of it for later but i'm very excited by the news i think what's much more worrying is that potentially if everything goes wrong this could just lead into a, a massive the earth turning into the storyline for now i am legend because a batman superman versus superman shot appeared in that and then the world ended so i'm hoping it's not going to go the same way I, too, am hoping the same thing. I was thrilled by this news. I caught the Los Angeles Times report earlier in the day uh, before the actual announcement and then was watching live updates from Hall H, waiting for them to actually announce it. And as it got closer and closer to the actual end of their panel, I kept thinking, are they actually going to do it? Are they actually going to do it? And then when Zack Snyder came out um, to talk to the, the fans, it basically was like, okay, it's on. It's It's going to happen. And it was kind of nerve-wracking because he stalled for quite some time. And 
basically it was it just really seemed like he was just trying to like milk it because he knew that he had something really good to tell all the fans and basically my understanding is that the the crowd went crazy after after he announced it i went crazy i think it's awesome i'm i'm really looking forward to this and as i've said in past podcasts when we talked about how to actually do this this is what I said. You need to have Batman and Superman together in order to actually be able to do the Justice League and not just randomly have all these characters come together at the last second. So we'll talk more about Man of Steel 2 slash Batman when it gets to listener Q&As because I know for a fact that we have some listener Q&As that reference some of these things that came out in this announcement. So with that, let's going to get straight into TV news. Impressive. Thank you, Batman. But you're... Don't hurt your brain trying to understand. I want you conscious when I take you down. (laughs) Bravo. I believe this game just got interesting. A couple of different things to go over. Obviously, Beware the Batman has began to air. Before we get into the actual episodes that have aired, there's been three episodes that have aired since... Since it it started in July, um, we do have just a little bit of news that came from Comic-Con during the Beware the Batman panel and beforehand. Stella actually was had a chance to interview the producer of the show, Glenn Murakami, and uh, he revealed to her that they're actually trying to come up with a way to introduce Ra's al Ghul to the show. So, despite the fact that originally the plan was to have no villains that originally appeared in previous shows, or at least not focus on villains that have appeared in previous shows, Ra's al Ghul is going to be a character that they are going to bring up. Now, the last time we saw Ra's al Ghul, it was during Batman Brave and the Bold. Ra's al Ghul never really appeared in The Batman And then even more so before that, it was Batman the Animated Series that he appeared in. So it has been some time since Ra's al Ghul has really had a major role in a Batman show, even though he did appear in in Young Justice and Batman Brave and the Bold. So it'll be interesting to see that. I think it's really a matter of, like, that's a character that people want introduced in this series. And I think it's a character that people want... To see more of based on his appearance in you know Batman Begins and in everything that's been going on in the comics. So, all right, so let's get into the episodes. On July 13th, uh, first episode that aired was Hunted. Batman works to stop the eco-terrorist Professor Pig and Mr. Toad from taking their revenge over a shady land deal done by Simon Stagg, Michael Holt, and Bruce Wayne. An aging Alfred assists Batman's investigation until he is accidentally captured in Bruce Wayne's place. Batman must work to save the captives and defeat Pig and Toad. The episode concludes as Alfred hires a new bodyguard for Bruce Wayne called Tatsu Yamashiro, which, as some of you may know, is the name of Katana. So, first episode, what did you guys think of the first episode? The animation really did put me off at first, but I ended up really enjoying it. I was actually so surprised when the episode ended just because I really hadn't realized that much time had gone by. I like their interpretation of Professor Pig. He he was a character that I really liked in Streets of Gotham, so I was happy to kind of see him on screen. The one aspect that I really really did not like was Alfred and it just it was 
too jarring to see Alfred as a really gruff, bald British guy who, uh, you know, in the first few minutes of the episode, actually just kind of beats Bruce Wayne up in his bed, and it turns out to just be a test and how his reflex time or reaction time needs to be better. So I, I didn't like Alfred, but I really did uh, enjoy the rest of the episode, despite my initial misgivings about it. It was okay. It, uh, you know, to set everything up, it sort of did what it had to do, but I, I wasn't blown away by it at all. I'm not convinced by the animation style like Melinda. I just, I, I don't know if I can get comfortable with it. And, yeah, Bruce and Alfred's relationship seems a little weird. I mean, maybe, you know, it's... It's, you know, people are enjoying it being different, but to me, I've always kind of had them as that Batman, the animated series relationship, where sort of Alfred is the shoulder to kind of cry on almost, and Batman turns to him for advice rather than what it appears to be suggesting, which is that Alfred has been training... Bruce, um, which I, I didn't particularly enjoy, but you know, I thought as a start, it was it was okay. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either, to be honest. My my thing was this: I I thought it was a pretty good episode. It I also was taken back by the animation at first. There's a couple things that I really didn't like. It really wasn't until uh, another episode that I'll talk about in a second that. I saw something with the animation that really made me appreciate it. But one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting was the actual Professor Pig and Mr. Toad. Obviously, there's characters that are very, very unknown to mainstream Batman fans. And I think it was interesting to actually see this specifically because these characters, not only are they unknown, but they kind of like tweaked them in a way where they made them eco-terrorists. And in some ways, that's in some ways holding to some aspects of the character, but in other ways, it's completely different. So I think it was kind of interesting to see these characters in a different way. And obviously, these characters are going to be focused on more because even all the promo images and stuff for Beware the Batman are featuring these characters. So I thought it was an interesting uh, introduction to the show. Alfred is probably my one big complaint. I don't really like the way Alfred's portrayed. I don't like how he's bald. I don't like how he's he he just basically complains all the time about how he's go, he's gone from you know fighting the Cold War as a spy in in Britain to basically being the handmaid for you know a billionaire. I don't I don't really like that aspect of the character at all. But I'm sure there's some growth that can occur with this actual character. The next episode aired on July 20th and was called Secrets. Batman is hot on the heels of an extremely clever and dangerous thief named Magpie who not only sports razor-sharp talons laced with poison and invulnerability to pain, but she also steals the memories of her victims. But Batman is not the only one on her trail. Lieutenant James Gordon is after her as well, and the two will ultimately go head-to-head to catch that thief. So what did you guys think of this episode? This one I I really enjoyed. I have a few problems with Magpie as as a villain, 
very superficial. I loved Kurtwood Smith as James Gordon. I think that he's an absolutely fantastic voice actor. I loved him in that 70s show. I have a feeling I'm really going to like him in this. But my my big issue with Magpie was she was an extremely sexualized villain in what is supposed to be a kid's show. Just the way she was animated kind of bothered me. And I I just really didn't think it was something that that needed to be included. And at the start, I kind of got the feeling that they were they were making her kind of the new Catwoman in this because she was very flirty with Batman, really wanted to steal his belt. But then, of course, as the episode went on and you learned who she was, that that was dispelled. Um, so I, I'm really half and half on the episode. I really enjoyed the idea and the plot of it, less so the way that they animated Magpie. Yeah, I, again, I think it just comes down to the animation. I'm, you know, even watching the second episode and, and having a look at, again, what they've done, I'm, I'm still not sold on it at all. I just... I. I can't get to grips with it. It just... I don't know what it is. There's just something that really bugs me all the way through watching it. But I think on the upside, it's nice that they're taking these more obscure villains and giving them a a bit of a new twist and and pointing them in a new direction and taking a chance on them and seeing whether they are worthwhile to to do because hopefully if they take off in these then we might see them come back into the comics now obviously that's easier to do with the new 52 because of course magpie is dead in the old 52 so do but it would be nice to see perhaps if there is the opportunity for for things to take off based on this on this series and it's it's funny that you say that, Melinda, because that's exactly what I thought, too, the way she was stylized, the way she was talking. And it just so happens that the actress who voiced Magpie, her name is Gray Delisle, she also happened to voice Catwoman for Injustice Gods Among Us, Batman Arkham City. She voiced Harley Quinn in Lego Batman. I didn't really hear the, the Harley Quinn aspect, but specifically going back to Batman Arkham City... And the fact that she voiced Catwoman in that, and more recently with Injustice Gods Among Us, it's quite interesting that, in fact, this, you know, this the same person is doing the voice, and, you know, that's probably part of the reason why we got the idea of that it was Catwoman. I also thought she was a little stylized for what is supposed to be a kid's show. I, I know that this is a much darker show than what, you know, most Cartoon Network shows are, and it's meant for a, a, probably a little bit older audience. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to sit here and complain about the fact that the you know the show is going to be darker and it's going to be, you know, it's going to have certain tones like stylizing the female characters towards you know possibly being a little bit more, uh, I wouldn't say adult theme, but more matured theme, just because, you know, we complain about that too much, we're going to get more Teen Titans Go. And I don't want that. I will absolutely accept villains like Magpie if it means no more Teen Titans Go. All right. All right, and then last up, July 27th, the episode aired called Tests. A new criminal mastermind has arrived in town to challenge Batman for control of the streets of Gotham City. Anarchy, resembling a ghost image of Batman, Anarchy prides himself on brilliance and intends to prove it to Batman by manipulating a pair of unsuspecting street pawns to do his bidding. 
of Anarchy's real plan is far more devastating, seeking to create a disaster seen by all of Gotham and proving once and for all that even the great Batman is powerless to protect his fair city from the clutches of Anarchy. So what do we think of this episode? I absolutely love the idea of this because so often you get villains who are, you know, their main focus and their only goal is to take down Batman and Anarchy really has taken that step back and said, no, the best way to do this is to let Batman take himself down. Let's give him something he can't stop. So I I really do like this depiction of Anarchy. I'm really excited to see more of him. The few things that I had with this episode. So this was the first episode that I saw something with the animation that I was completely away by. And it was whenever the two little henchmen that Anarchy had doing his bidding, whenever they were using their weapons or whatnot, it was creating smoke. The smoke looked absolutely amazing. Now, this is the this is probably the first time I've ever actually seen smoke in a 3D animation style, and I don't know what it was, but the smoke actually looked like real smoke. And I want to give them props to that, because as jarring as the animation style is compared to previous animation styles of, of past projects we've we're, we've come to know and love the smoke looked insane now i don't know how they can you know harness that into some kind of actual story where we see nothing but smoke but it looked amazing outside of that the one thing that i have a hard time understanding is clearly they're taking liberties with certain characters and anarchy is obviously not an exception to that rule because he is this, as they said, a ghost image. He's white and he's basically a mirror image of, of Batman's build. The interesting thing is in the comics, Anarchy was actually Lonnie Macron, which was a teenage boy, the same age as Robin or slightly older than Tim Drake at the time. And he wore a red costume with a yellow mask. This character is very different because he's completely white and seems to be just as old as Batman. So that was a little bit odd to me, was the fact that it was different. Clearly, Magpie also was different in the fact that she did not really look the way she looked in the comics. But Anarchy... See, the thing is, it's one thing to introduce a character into the show because, oh, we've never had this character in the show and we want to do something different. But the problem is, if you're not still in some way staying true to the character from the way they appeared in the comics, it doesn't really help build that character up. You know, somebody who's like, oh, I really want to learn more about this Anarchy character is going to go to the store and see that the character actually wears a red costume and is a teenager and is not the same size as Batman. And that's going to be a little bit weird for some people who want to learn more about the character. So, not to say that all of the Anarchy aspects of the character are still there, the fact that he has people doing his bidding to do, to, you know, go out and, you know, basically cr- create havoc. That's very true to the character. But I think the look, despite the fact that they could have taken certain, they could have done certain things, the look and the fact that the character is the same age as Batman, that was a little bit odd to me. All right. So outside of that, we do have just a couple episodes in August that we know some of the characters that will be focused on. Episode 4 will focus a little bit more on Katana's history. Uh, Episode 5 will focus on Humpty Dumpty. And Episode 6 will have some sort of new creation of Metamorpho. We don't know a whole lot of details. Obviously, be sure to be checking out the website for episode synopsis as well as 
clips and screenshots from the show, and then be sure to tune into the Cartoon Network on Saturday mornings at 10 Eastern Pacific for the actual show. And then also, I believe that these episodes are also right away available on iTunes as well, so you can purchase them there as well. In addition to that, there's still new episodes of Teen Titans Go!, um, if you're interested in that, I will say I have watched a couple more episodes, and there are some episodes that have their their merits. It's not enough to outweigh the insane aspects of the other episodes, but that is still there, and it's the episode, new episodes are airing on Tuesdays, and then they're re-airing during the DC Nation block after Beware the Batman on Saturday mornings as well. So with that... That is everything for TV news. Let's get into merchandise news. That is terrible. Let's find something better. Calling Unit 4, two faces heading west on. Never mind, Batman got him. Unit 6, the Joker's ramming City Hall. Never mind, Batman got him. Be advised, one action toy comes with each Batman Happy Meal you buy at McDonald's. All units be on the lookout for Catwoman. Never mind. A number of different things to go over just because of all the stuff that happened at Comic-Con. First up, let's talk, the very first thing that was announced was July 17th. During preview night, Mattel revealed that they are actually making a 1966 Batman utility belt replica. Now, this is actually a life-size replica that comes with a foldable Batarang based off of the 1966 Batman TV series. Um, it is a 43-inch belt, has a 12-inch blue plastic Batarang that folds up and actually allows you to actually wear it. As of right now, it's unknown exactly when this will be available, but it is going to most likely be available on MattyCollector.com. And based off of the same series, this is called Movie Masters Epic Creations. I believe is the line they previously released some because based off of Ghostbusters and those were priced right between $100 and $130 a piece. So the, expect this to be around that same price. Now there was one that DC Direct released a couple years back that was priced at like $350. So if you're unable to pick up that one, this one's going to be a little bit cheaper. All right, so then the next bit of news... At Comic-Con July 19th, the Maddie Palooza panel held, and there was only a couple things to go over. Club Infinite Earths has a couple of Batman Universe characters coming out in, a couple, in the next coming months. September features Huntress, November has Ra's al Ghul, and December has Bat-Zaro. So we ha- do have pictures of these on the website for you to check out under the Mattel booth picture post. So... You can check those out. Uh, you don't have to necessarily belong to the Club Infinite Earths, but the price does go up for the figures the day of the actual sale. The other Mattel panel was Mattel and DC. This was also July 19th, or later in the day. ton of stuff. Basically, the first off, the Batman 66 line was talked about. The Catwoman 6-inch figure is based off of Julie Newmar's character from the actual show and will be in scale with Batman. The Batmobile from the show will be released as a Toys R Us exclusive. While the Barbie version of Catwoman from the show is available at Comic-Con, there are plans for a Catwoman and Batman to release in the future in stores. The future of the DC lines will change in 2014. The current lines that they have right now, the DC Unlimited and Batman Unlimited, will end at the end of 2013. In 2014, we'll introduce two new lines 
one called DC Comics Multiverse, which will feature four-inch figures from movies, video games, and comics. Each wave will consist of six figures. The first wave will feature characters from the Arkham games. It will include Batman Arkham City, Mr. Freeze, Azrael, Batman, and Armored Edition Batman, and from Batman Arkham Origins, Deadshot, and Bane. The second wave will be based on the movies and will feature Michael Keaton's Batman, and more reveals should be announced at New York Comic Con. The other line of DC figures will be called Total Heroes. The figures will be 6 inches tall. There is 10 figures planned to release in 2014, including a Batman. The figures will include accessories and soft capes, and there will also be Maddie Collector exclusives for this line with more accessories and interchangeable body parts available exclusively on MaddieCollector.com. Beware the Batman was mentioned, but it was only stated that they will ha- they will have some place sometime in 2014. And then the final part of the panel was a fan choice of which figure they would like to have part of the Total Heroes line. Among the choices was Batman Beyond, and then it was later revealed later in the week that Batman Beyond actually won. So we do have some pictures of some of the stuff that they did mention. I do want to talk about two lines that they are they're going to be ending and the two lines they're going to be creating. First off, it hasn't even been a year and a half since they started DC Unlimited and Batman Unlimited. And if you go to any store, any major retail store, you almost never find these on the shelves. And I just want to rant about this for about two minutes because it really upsets me that Mattel makes such a big deal about how packaging is so expensive and you know redoing the packaging and having unique packaging is a really expensive aspect and that's one of the reasons that the action figures have become more expensive over the last couple of years to only have to re- reintroduce and create brand new packaging every year and a half is kind of ridiculous my me myself i collect the batman unlimited figures and before that it was the batman legacy figures and before that, it was the DC Universe Classics. They have changed these lines multiple times, and it's really, really annoying. Now they're going to come out with this DC Comics Multiverse, which is going to completely change the size of the figures from 6 inches to 4 inches. So basically, all of the current figures that we have right now for Batman Arkham City that released part of the Batman Legacy aren't even going to be in scale with the new figures that they're going to be releasing for Batman Arkham City, such as the Azrael, the Mr. Freeze, and the the Batman, none of them will be in scale with the current figures that we already have. This pisses me off. I don't know about any fans out there. I'm sure that maybe this is pissing some people off. These, this total armor set of figures that they're talking about, which will uh, be six inches tall, the... I think it's stupid because I've seen pictures of the Batman. It's a very generic. It's very comparable, in my opinion, to what they released for Batman Brave and the Bold. Those just generic-looking figures that have very little detail on it. And while it's great that they're going to have little to detail because they're only going to be $10 and they'll have accessories... That's all great and dandy. They didn't. I don't. I didn't really see anything about what the price is going to be on the DC Comics multiverse figures. But the fact that they're they're making them smaller, and they're only going to be releasing six in each wave. Everybody knows that they'll. It'll be lucky if they get three waves out a year, if that. I just think it's it's upsetting to me because one, Batman Arkham City is a game that came out two years ago. 
they're going to have four of the six figures of the first wave focusing on a game that came out two years ago. That just seems stupid. Why wouldn't they just leave the Batman Arkham City figures that they've already created with the Batman Legacy line alone and just leave it at that and then start doing the Batman Arkham Origins figures all across the entire wave? doesn't make any sense. The, the fact that they're going to do a Michael Keaton Batman, I think that's cool, but the fact that it'll be four inches and not in size with all of the other movie master figures that we already have pisses me off. So... I probably, you know, I, I probably ranted a little too much about this, but I just, I wanted to voice this because when I first heard this, I was pretty pissed and then really made me think maybe I need to get over and start collecting the DC collectibles figures instead of the Mattel stuff. Why are they getting rid of that? Like why? So soon after its introduction, why are they getting rid of that? That, to me, is ridiculous, especially if, like you said, they are complaining that, you know, the cost of packaging and designing new packaging, well, that's really expensive. I mean, I guess the upside is my Nightwing figure can look down on my Batman figure, but, like, really, it bothers me that they're not to scale. So much about this announcement I found frustrating and irritating and just something that I don't want anything to do with at all as a purchaser. It kind of sounds to me like they're doing it, and I'm, I'm guessing and I'm approaching it from my typically cynical viewpoint, is the two reasons I think that they're doing it. Number one, I think they're aiming for the kids' market. You know, the hyper-detailed stuff tends to appeal much more to collectors, and I think that whilst they'll keep it, the the four-inch, and they'll probably laden it, I wouldn't be surprised if they put more accessories in there. You saw many more duplicates and really odd kind of, you know, Batman, ski, downhill, jet pack uh, system come in to try and get, you know, Batman out there and force people to sort of, you know, for the kids to buy it, the, the sort of thing that they used, you saw when Kenner, I think it was Kenner, had the had the rights to it. And the, the second thing is, I think it's a massive cost-cutting measure there. Going from six inches to four inches, you're downsizing the amount of plastic that you're using, which I'm, I'm guessing is probably something along the lines of ABS plastic, which is quite expensive. You're shrinking your packaging you're bringing down your transport costs, everything like that. And I think they're really trying to cut down on their costs. But the price, I would be surprised if that came down, to be honest. And I think that's entirely why they're doing this. So rather than go, well, we're carrying on the lines, but we're making everything smaller, they've gone, we're going to release all these new lines, we're releasing these two new lines, and... Yeah, you know, they'll do the typical, this is going to be brilliant, it's going to replace it, you'll never notice the difference, it'll be amazing. And really what it is, is they've looked at the bottom line and gone, we can do the same thing and still make more money and produce less. And, you know, people will probably still buy them. And if they can tap into the kids' market, they're going to just make so much more money. It sounds to me like it's... uh, profit-driven move, to be honest. Not that, you know, I understand that they're businesses before anybody kind of goes, well, they're not there to... But, you know, there's being a business and then there's kicking somebody in the face. Yeah, and I th- there, there's there's two things. Uh, recently I noticed that a lot of the 
recently with the Avengers releasing last year and Iron Man 3 this year, Hasbro was putting out some 4-inch figures. You can put more 4-inch figures in a case than you could 6-inch figures, which means you can sell more. You can fit more in an aisle at the store, which means you can have more available for people to buy. The problem is that because that because these figures will in fact be smaller, I'm sure the price will be slightly less, but with that comes this problem with will they actually be able to maintain the figures on the shelves? Because here's the thing. Last year when they released when the first wave was supposed to come out in fall 2013 uh, or 2012, which consisted of uh, the Batman Unlimited line consisted of Batman, Batgirl, and Superpowers Penguin. I didn't actually see any of those figures until January of 2013. The two ones that I was really interested in was Batman of Zurinar and The Dark Knight Returns Batman. I still have, to this day, not seen those in any store whatsoever. You can go into any store right now. I've been into Targets, I've been into Walmarts, I've been into toy stores that just carry specifically toys like Toys R Us, and I never see these figures on the shelves. Ever. And I live in a pretty decent market where I would assume that would have these items. I live near Chicago, I'm in the city all the time, I'm outside in the city, in the suburbs all the time, and I go to these stores all the time and I never have seen any of those figures. Now at C2E2 back in April, I saw those figures for $15 more than the normal retail price of a retail store on a ton of booths that were maintained by, you know, collectible toy stores. Why do they have them? Because they're getting them straight from Mattel or they're getting them from some big, big online retailer like Big Bad Toy Store or something like that. And then in turn, the retail stores aren't getting them, which only makes us, the collectors, have to pay even more money for them. I don't like that, okay? the If the price goes down, you know, that'll help. But the only way it is actually going to help is if they can actually get these things to be in normal retail stores. If I have to pay, if I have to go on eBay and pay $20 more than the actual item price, I don't know why Mattel is getting getting anything out of that because the Joe Schmo mommy and son pairing that's going to the store is not going to buy an action figure that's not on the shelf. Yes, they have plenty of the, the Batman ones, but one thing I've noticed is, you know, they always say that these things don't sell in the stores or they only appeal to collectors, but those are the only ones that are ever actually sold out. The Batman line that they've currently got right now, there's tons of those. I see them all over the place. People can buy those for their, you know, their nephew or their niece or whoever. They can buy those whenever they want because they're on the shelves. It's the, the ones that the collectors collect that are not on the shelves. And if people are just rebuying or buying them to resell them, great. But then wouldn't, want, wouldn't Mattel in turn want to produce more of them because people are doing that? It just seems like Mattel's a little bit behind. There's, all, there's always this thing about supply and demand. If they supply enough of them, there's not going to be a giant demand, and they're just going to sell what they have, and the second-hand resellers are not going to be buying them and selling them and making you know double the money that Mattel's making on them. So to me, it just makes absolutely no sense why they do what they do. They don't put enough of these figures out because they say they don't sell. But if they don't sell, then why are they never on the shelves? All right, anyway, that's enough about me ranting about that. In regards to everything else merchandise, we do have 
tons of photo albums on the uh, website, thanks to Cool Toy Review, who took photos of pretty much everything and anything related to anything. We focused on nothing but the Batman stuff, but we do have uh, preview night reveals from DC Collectibles and Sideshow Collectibles, as well as booth images from Kotobukiya, Yes Anime, Nika, DC Collectibles, Hot Toys, Sideshow Collectibles, Square Enix, and the Mattel booth. The last bit of merchandise news, which actually also brings us straight into video game news. Did you find a body? No. And next time, keep your other assassins out of my way. You had your shot, Deathstroke. But you're not the only assassin in town. And the night is young. Has to do with the fact that Nika has announced that they have a Batman Arkham Origins exclusive. They sent out a press release on July 18th saying that they have an exclusive, a life-size prop leprechaun that is fully spring-loaded and motorized. It's a grapple gun based off of Batman Arkham Origins. It's available for pre-order for $34.99 and will be in select retail stores and launch in October around the same time that, obviously, Batman Arkham Origins does. This is exclusive to GameStop. If you remember when Batman Arkham Asylum came out, when the game came out, Square Enix was actually the publisher for the game. The special edition that they had for the game actually included a Batarang replica. It wasn't a usable Batarang. It was attached to a base. Two years ago, when Batman Arkham City came out, the game did not actually include any sort of replica. It included a statue by Kotobukiya. This time around, the which we'll talk about in a second, the it'll be another statue that will be included. So this will be a prop replica that you'll be able to order in addition to the game. It's not going to be packaged with the game, but it'll be it'll be available in addition to it, and it'll be available at GameStop. So at this point, uh, based off of the lack of pre-order exclusives that have been announced, I would suggest just go to GameStop, pre-order the collector's edition, and then also pre-order this grapple gun since it's only an extra $35, which to me, the fact that it's spring-loaded and motorized seems like a good deal. This is a pretty sick-looking grapple gun. It would... I would honestly probably go pre-order the game knowing I will not play it personally. Give that to someone just to keep the grapple gun for myself. Alright, so then the other bit of news we have, the Collector's Edition has not actually officially been announced. There is some leaked images from a French website that accidentally posted it. Basically, it's very similar to the Collector's Edition that came out for Batman Arkham City, where it'll have a statue and it'll have a number of different things, including all of the exclusive skins. During Comic-Con, the Batman Arkham Origins panel was held on July 18th and Warner Brothers revealed a couple of different things. Jeff Johns was on the panel and hinted that there are a number of other games that Warner is working on with a number of studios but they couldn't reveal anything at the time. The biggest reveal of the panel was the fact that they announced another one of the assassins that will be hunting Batman in the game. The character announced is called Copperhead 
which you have may may have heard of if you have read some some of the comics in the past. But the difference is that this character will actually be female and not male as previous incarnations of the character. Jeff Johns mentioned that this version of the character will also be making her way to into mainstream comics within the New Fifty Two, so they'll be bringing Copperhead into the New Fifty Two with um, her being a female. The other reveal was the two more editions of new costumes. They showed the previously announced 1966 Adam West costume and the Nightfall Azrael costume, but the new ones that were announced were Batman 1 Million and the Worst Nightmare costume, which appears to be more of the fear-induced version of the Batsuit. During the Q&A, a couple of items came up. A fan asked if Robin and Batgirl would be included in the game, and the answer was that it was too early for Robin to appear, Batman's timeline, but wait for the release of the game to find out if Batgirl appears. Um, and then they also revealed some new screenshots, which you can check out over on the website. Nothing super revealing, but uh, the new trailer featuring Copperhead is available on the website and our YouTube page for you guys to check out. The, the animation that they have of Copperhead, I was really, really impressed by. If you watch her movement, it's it's super fluid and... The way that she moves around Batman as she's attacking him, I was just, I was really impressed that they were able to get that style of movement down in a human character. So, very impressive trailer. I'm intrigued by sort of their comments about Batgirl. It'd be interesting to see whether she's included. I kind of, I think it would be really cool and really nice if she was. You know, we've not really seen her before. We've seen, we've had Oracle, obviously, in Batman Arkham Asylum. Robin appeared in Arkham City. Um, So it would be nice to have Batgirl appear in there. But at the same time, I kind of, part of me does kind of want Batman to sort of, to go it alone for it to be early in his history. And to sort of, you know, have to go it alone and, and just have him and his wits to to survive what looks like a sort of almost siege kind of battle royale, you know, kind of game, and sort of just to be on his own. I think that would be really interesting and really great to see how they do it. But if Batgirl's in it, I you know, I'm not going to complain too much. I think it'll be interesting to see if Batgirl is in it, or maybe... Barbara Gordon makes some sort of appearance, but it's not Batgirl. The Copperhead reveal, it's its kind of out of left field as far as the character actually being revealed, just because I don't think anybody saw that character coming. But it's interesting because, again, it's not one of the ginormous major Batman villains, but it's still a character that they could do something with. And the fact that they're reimagining the character as a female gives it, gives it even more of an interesting appeal because... There's not that many characters within the Batman universe that are actually are female, outside of just the ones that they use all the time, or at least ones that they focus on. Um, we, we've seen in Beware the Batman, they're focusing on Magpie, which is outside of what they've done in the past, but most of the time it's always Catwoman, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and those, those are the three. And then you've got, on the hero side, you've got Batwoman, Huntress, and Batgirl, but outside of that, they don't really have a lot of female characters that they focus on. So it's nice that they reimagine this character as a female, and they're going to focus on a character that wasn't a female, but make her a female, and have her as the character in the game. It's nice to not have to necessarily just have it be Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, or Catwoman. So I think that's kind of nice. 
In addition to that, the only other video game news we have is also on July 18th, a new trailer for Scribblenauts Unmasked was released, which is available on our YouTube page and our website for you to check out. It basically shows off some of the different ways that you can actually create your own character using a number of different elements from the actual DC Universe. So you can check that out on the website. In addition, or outside of that, that is all of the video game news we have. Young Justice Legacy is still supposed to come out at some point. We'll see what happens with that. Last bit of news, general news. July 17th, we got a uh, a little bit of a post from Barris Custom Industries. It was showing off a new customized vehicle inspired by the 1966 Batman Batmobile. It's basically a Ford F-150. It's designed by the grandson of legendary original Batman Batmobile designer George Barris, and it was cruising around San Diego during Comic-Con. Jared Barris, the elder Barris grandson, continued the family business and designed and built his own take on the Batmobile in the style of a truck. We do have a picture of it on the website, so you can check that out. I don't have a lot to say about that, but it is kind of cool. That is all the actual news we have. Let's get into our listener Q&As, because we do have a couple from the last episode as well as some discussions about the actual Man of Steel sequel. (laughs) Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! So first up, we have Alex. He says, thanks for another great episode. In regards to all the new Batman 66 merchandise, I'm curious if people are going to put their money where their mouths are. Hopefully, it's not a situation like my dad. I heard for about 10 years how great Laurel and Hardy was and how such it was how such it was such a great comedy and blew all this modern stuff like The Simpsons out of the water. So for Christmas, I bought him a DVD set. When I gave it to him, he had the most underwhelmed expression ever. I ended up getting rid of it, and he never mentioned Laurel and Hardy again. Lucky me. Anyways, I don't care for the 66 TV series. I hope it makes people happy. I went in hearing so many complaints about the Man of Steel movie, and how terrible it was, and and a betrayal of the character. Every complaint I heard turned out to be something I loved about it. Actually, it turned out to be everything I wanted a su- for a Superman origin movie, and I didn't even know I wanted it. If you would have asked me what I wanted previously, it would probably would have just been a complete retread of this animated series or the 1986 Man of Steel reboot from the comics, Then and then I would have compared it to that and said how the comics did it better. Man of Steel is what I have wanted out of the New 52 for a Superman reboot. I think it's the perfect launching point for the DC Universe. I want them to take their time and make a Man of Steel 2, then a world's finest Superman Batman movie, and then launch either into either a Batman or Justice League film. I don't want them to rush and make a super shallow formulaic movies in order to fit them into a team-up movie like the Marvel movies. People complained about Batman Begins and said Batman 1989 was way better, saw The Dark Knight, and loved it for having a more original story with a focus on a popular villain. And then years later, when the trailer for The Dark Knight Rises came out, people complained all about the little plot holes and said how amazing the first movie was because of how brilliantly it established the character. I think the same thing is going to happen. I think it's one of the most mature comic book movies, if not the most mature 
movie. I think people want every little thing explained to them, and I was very happy they didn't insult my intelligence. It's the first movie since Fight Club where I couldn't stop thinking about all the subtle layers of depth, and I love having to interact with the films. I was surprised to hear hardcore comic book fans complain about the jumping around because we're already trained to use closure while reading the story jumping from panels. Everything you guys said I agree with 100%. And the thing with the Superman killing, people act like Superman held Zod's eyes in place. All you had to do was look at the people to kill them. But he was taunting Superman. So, clearly, we, we really enjoyed Man of Steel for the most part. So, I think we're right on par with... Uh, your thoughts there. The other interesting thing about Man of Steel is you state uh, you want them to take their time and make a Man of Steel and then a world's finest Superman Batman movie. Well, as we already said, they're actually going to make a Man of Steel, which is the Superman Batman movie. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, next up, Jason says, Hey guys, great episode. Now that the Man of Steel is out, how would Bruce Wayne Batman fit into this movie universe? And how would the events for Man of Steel affect Batman in this universe? Anyways, keep up the good work. Well, we kind of talked about this before as far as how Batman would actually fit into the Superman world. And I I don't really want to retread on what we've said in the past. I think it was probably about a couple months back where we talked about how a Justice League movie would work. And I said that Superman Batman teaming up to go look for the other members of the Justice League would be the best way to actually make the Justice League work. As far as Batman working in the Superman movie, I'm sure that's... I mean, obviously it's going to happen because Batman's going to be in the actual Man of Steel 2. But uh, we'll talk more about that in one second. Next, Alex says, I forgot to ask. I've seen so many people complain about Man of Steel for being a bad superhero movie, but a great sci-fi movie and the Dark Knight movies being bad Batman movies, but a better thriller and drama movie. However, because they have a superhero in them, they are deemed bad. I hate seeing this. If it's a great movie that has a superhero, to me, it's a great movie. I don't think a movie should conform to any pre-conformed notions as long as it's marketed correctly. I also don't like when there's a plot hole in the movie. It's excused as, hey, it's comics. There are so many non-comic movies with plot holes or have elements far sillier than any comic I read. If anyone read The Ultimate Story, you can see how the Avengers movie was a super watered-down Disney-esque version of the really serious and mature story dealing with a lot of interesting political elements and dark character studies similar to Watchmen. So having said all of that, what do you all feel a superhero movie should be? Thanks, guys. So I will let you guys answer that question before I say mine. That is a really big, broad question, because a superhero movie has, like, if you're, if you're defining it, you know, a superhero movie is a movie based on a comic that has, you know, one of the DC or Marvel superheroes in it. I feel like it should be a movie that either a fan or a non-fan can walk into and come out of happy. I, you know, people talked about the plot holes in The Dark Knight Rises. All of those are actually really fairly easily explainable. It's it's a matter of, you know, you do have to suspend disbelief. You have to suspend disbelief really in any movie that you go into. So the best superhero movies are the ones where people who went in and who are not fans come out and they want to know more because that that brings in new readership new people who are interested in what you're interested in and new people to talk to about things like this. 
Yeah, I agree. It's a massive topic. I mean, I'm shocked that there's somebody who doesn't like Laurel and Hardy. His dad's clearly not appreciative of classic comedy. Moving on, I think... Actually, I, I think a, a good superhero film is a good movie. I think... The thing is, comic book fans, and I've said this a, a number of times, are really difficult to please. And and I, I say this as a comic book fan, are a terrible movie audience because they have expectations, they've got, they know the backstory, they know who the character walking in third from the left is, they know all this information, and they want to see that translated onto the film and put into into place. And it never translates that well into a film because a film has a set amount of time and it's got to tell a short story um, and it's got to convey all of this. It's got to convey all this emotion. It's got to carry you with the film. It's got to make the film entertaining, something that you want to watch, something that you want to keep on coming back to. And all in, you know, from 90 minutes to two, three hours, depending on what film you're, you're watching. Whereas comic books have got weeks, months, years, decades to tell stories. And I think that really the elements that make up a successful film are easy to put into a superhero film um, and essentially just tell the story of a, a superhero. I mean, we saw it with the Dark, with the, the, the Dark Light trilogy. And I think the, actually the problems that and the criticisms that came at the Dark Knight Rises came from comic book fans who were annoyed that it didn't do what... It didn't delve into the comic book history. It didn't bring all of that with it and, and do it how it how they wanted it to play out. Whereas if you look at a lot of the critics and a lot of the movie-going uh, people who are just movie fans, they've loved it. You know, they loved it. They loved it across the board. And I think, ultimately for it to be successful, it's got to be a good movie and it's going to annoy comic book fans and it's going to make them unhappy or you're going to annoy movie-going fans. I don't ever think that you can please both of them and I think it's impossible to do so. And I think, to be honest, a good movie focuses on moviegoers and ignores the comic book fans. Here, Here's the thing that I was thinking. It, it comes down to the fact that I myself, I really like thrillers, so th- there's there's tons of aspects about The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises that really was straight thriller, and I really liked it. There's completely other aspects of it that I, you know, that you know, are is definitely more superhero like, and because of that, it is not something that is you know can be held up to par with other other films. But I think the problem is that the majority of people slash critics who want to say that movies like The Dark Knight aren't as good as other films because it is a superhero, that's a stupid thought because there's plenty of movies out there that have completely crazy characters like Fight Club. Fight Club is a good example of a character that you know may exist but is not somebody you're going to come across every day. 
Batman is probably not going to exist in a real world, real world setting, but that's not the point of the movie. The movie is supposed to be a suspension of disbelief, and that's how most movies are. Regardless of whether or not, unless it's a documentary, most movies have some sort of suspense of disbelief. So, the reality is that I think it's stupid for people to compare movies and say, well, it's a superhero movie, so it's automatically a rung down because it's a superhero movie. Because that's dumb. Because there's been plenty of movies out there that they have created that have, you know, made-up elements that aren't necessarily completely true that could happen but haven't happened and that's why they made a movie about it. So I think that I really like thriller movies. I'd love to see, you know, more thriller aspects in it, but the thing is that you have to it has to be more of like the detective type movie and you're not going to get that with Man of Steel. Now, it's funny because my wife actually said if you were looking at Man of Steel as only a sci-fi movie, it's a really good movie. But she just kept making this big deal about how the fact that it because it was Superman, it wasn't as good as it could have been. And I was blown away by that just for the sheer fact that I thought it was a really good movie. But I think that's what it comes down to is is just, you know, they're doing a good job of making a movie that's not a superhero movie. Like the Avengers and the Marvel movies really seem to be, you know, action, popcorn-eating, blockbuster superhero movies. That's what they are. The Dark Knight trilogy was not really like that. There was obviously blockbuster aspects of it, but they weren't, you know movies you walk into and you don't have to think about i like movies where you actually have to think that's that's why i like thrillers so i think that's one of the things that they're doing very well is they're doing that with this movie man of steel probably wasn't so much about the thinking aspect as other movies but i think that they still did a good job all right and then finally jason says with a man of steel uh, with a man of steel sequel with Batman being confirmed, do you think that they will bring bat- a Batman villain to this film? If they do, who would you want it to be? So, I'm going to say right off the bat, I don't think they're going to have a Batman villain in a Superman f- in a Superman movie. And this will kind of bring us into our discussion of Man of Steel 2. Basically, it comes down to, it's Man of Steel 2. It's not Man of Steel or Superman Batman or Man of Steel slash Batman or... Man of Steel slash Cape to Crusader or whatever you want to call it. It's not like that. It's not going to be a Batman movie. It's going to be a Superman movie with Batman. And I'm not going to complain if Batman doesn't have top billing on it because honestly I think it's... I really want to see a Superman Batman movie in live action. They could have some sort of villain from Batman but I think the majority of it is going to be the perfect way to set this up and I'll say exactly what I think is going to happen right now, is you've got Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor. They're both billionaires. They'll both be competing on a wide range. This can introduce Lex Luthor to Superman's universe, and then Superman comes in contact with Bruce Wayne, very similar to the way it was portrayed in the world's finest episodes of Superman the Animated Series. He's introduced to Bruce Wayne, thinks Bruce Wayne could be corrupt like Lex Luthor, and then is then slowly Batman is also investigating Lex Luthor, and it comes out like that. Just get rid of the Joker aspect of those episodes, and it would work perfectly. The other aspect is that Superman could be told by the government that, you know, we've got this vigilante running around Gotham, and nobody can stop him. We need you to go up there and stop him, similar to what they did in The Dark Knight Returns. And then, in turn, Superman comes in contact with Batman, and then comes to realize that, 
you know, Batman is a good element that does good for the city and doesn't agree with the government. I don't think they're going to do it straight from Dark Knight Returns. Even They have said that they're thinking about using the story to help them adapt, but they're not adapting the Dark Knight Returns, despite the fact that they use that quote. So it really comes to the point that Kryptonite will for sure make its way into Man of Steel, I'm sure of it, because otherwise I don't know how Batman would have a chance to, to beat Superman. I'm pretty sure Bruce Wayne slash Lex Luthor are going to be the main main plot point as far as you know Lex Luthor being the main villain. That's just the way I see it. I think that's what they'll do. I don't see them doing a, a Batman villain. I see them doing this Batman-Superman movie, then that leading to a Justice League movie, then after that they'll do another Batman movie. And that's what that's the way it'll happen. So that's that's my predictions as of now. I think one of the biggest reasons they would not use a Batman villain, aside from the fact that it's the Man of Steel sequel, is really the majority of Batman's villains would not pose much of a threat to Superman. Um, and there's a reason that they fight Batman and not Superman. I'm not disparaging Batman in any way, but, you know, he's not a Man of Steel. I think that... Dustin, you actually raised a point that I had not considered, and I think it's because I tend to forget that Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor exist in the same universe. I never really think of them as being business rivals, but that would actually be the perfect way for them to to bring in, A, Superman's most iconic villain and his most iconic ally. I think that that would be a really wonderful way for them to be brought together in the film. The quote that I heard and, and the phrasing that I keep hearing over and over again is that they're planning on using The Dark Knight Returns to inform the story for the second Man of Steel movie. So to me, that really doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, there people are, a lot of people are up in arms because they think, oh, they're adapting it. And I, that phrasing to me does not suggest that. That to me suggests that they're taking the idea that uh, like you said, Dustin, that Superman is sent to bring Batman in. Like, I think that might be the the very starting plot point, the, the introduction to the movie, is the government saying, hey, Superman, we know you've been willing to kind of work with us on some stuff, and we, we need you to bring this guy in because he's operating outside of the law. And unlike, you know, with you, we can actually stop him and detain him. I think... Though that's quite a good point, the problem I would have with that is it kind of makes Superman that Frank Miller tool, really. Whilst obviously he does things more within the law, I would be wary of portraying Superman as an agent of the government, sort of a puppet, because it's going to create quite, you know, sort of it would be a bit, I think, divisive in a way, if that makes sense, in that there's Batman who's being the anti-hero and you've got Superman who's the, you know, who could be portrayed as, as working for the government. And it's, I think, you don't want to kind of show them as one is good and one is bad. You kind of need to show them both as as being good because otherwise really it's going, I think it's going to produce issues, especially in the current 
political climate. I mean, with the things like the WikiLeaks, you know, you've got people who think Julian Assange is the greatest thing ever, and people who think he's should be, you know, strung up from a lamppost. And you're going to create that kind of bring all those political points to the fore, which you don't. I don't think you necessarily want to do in this film, to be honest. I think actually what I'd quite like to see is maybe a few Batman villains as henchmen, perhaps some of the lesser ones, maybe some of the the ones who are you know muscle effectively, and Superman's brought into Gotham briefly following the trail of, of crime sort of from Lex Luthor and, and Batman's coming the same way. So they're, they're both heading for the same goal, but coming at it from opposite directions. Um, and, you know, you sort of have to, you see them working together and overcoming it. And there's a bit of that rivalry stuff that you get in the world's finest. And, and a lot of the, the, comic uh, tv adaptions of of the relationships where bruce puts a tracer on clark and clark looks under looks under the cowl and sort of having that that rivalry i think would be a nice way of of doing it to be honest see but here's the thing that is what actually could lead them to the justice League movie because most likely they're going to try to stick to what they've been doing with the new 52 with the justice league and basically it's not the Justice League of America. It's just the Justice League. They don't work for the government. They're not sanctioned by the government. And that's the whole idea of the Justice League within the New 52. So what they could do is tell Superman, go get Batman. There's this epic fight between Batman and Superman, leading leading Superman to believe that maybe Batman's not such a bad thing. Then, in turn, he sides with Batman he, you know, stays away from the government aspect, the tool of the government, and then in turn decides to actually, they decide to go find these other superheroes to create the Just League because there needs to be a group of people outside of a government that is protecting the people of Earth. And I think that's how you, that's what you would end up doing to lead to the Just League film. Now, obviously this is, you know, Just League film is probably you know, four years away at the very least. So it's it's a little outside the box to, to predict what would happen, but that's how I could see it happening because just because of what happens at the end of Man of Steel with Batman going to the general and the general saying, well, now what, blah, 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 and it basically making it seem like, well, Superman's going to, you know, he's there for America. He grew up in America. He's going to side with America. I think ultimately it could turn into... You know, the entire first half of the movie is, is you know, you, we see Bruce Wayne, but not Batman. And then it's not till towards the end of the movie that, you know, after Superman deals with Lex Luthor, that he actually comes in contact with Batman. And then in turn, the government tells him you need to go after it, which causes him to have a rift with the government, which makes him side with Batman, which makes him go form justly with Batman. And I think that's the way, the the direction that they could go if they were really looking at it long-term-wise. But I'd like to hear what some other people think, so email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net or leave your comments in the podcast post under the episode, and we'll go go through some of those on the next episode. So an anonymous person emailed us at podcast at the Batman Universe and says, Hey guys, I'm listening to the Batman Universe podcast for a while now and I've really enjoyed it. Also, I've been reading around the 
that have been reboot online, and I've seen mixed feelings about including Robin. I'm a big fan and think he should be included, but what do you think about including him in the reboot? Sincerely, Anonymous Listener. Well, I'd like to think that Robin could be worked into it some way, but the problem is that the the idea of Robin being this teenage kid that a middle-aged man brings into his house just has weird ideas. What they did with Chris O'Donnell by making him much older and much more closer to the actual age of Batman, it could have worked if it wasn't Joel Schumacher and the spat suits didn't have nipples on them. Maybe it could have worked. But I think the problem is that the idea of Batman having this much younger sidekick is a very far-fetched idea that not a lot of people want to, to, to really think about. If you look at the comics currently, the, the main comics ve- deal very little with Batman dealing with his sidekicks. In some ways during, for instance, the death of the family, there's actually Scott Snyder created a way to basically el- eliminate the allies from being around by creating some misinterpreted idea that everyone doesn't like Batman because of the death of the family. And then in turn, he doesn't deal with them anymore in Batman. He, you know, rarely, every once in a while, something will come up, but now they have Zero Year, which isn't dealing with any of the, the sidekicks either. Detective Comics, the, you you barely get a mention of the sidekicks. Tim Drake is, is barely ever even appears in the Batman universe. He only appears in Teen Titans. You got Nightwing, who really only deals with himself and occasionally Barbara Gordon. But for the most part, like, they're not really sidekicks anymore. They're just former partners of Batman, instead of Batman actually having a sidekick. Damien was the the one person that was around because of what Grant Morrison was doing, but then Grant Morrison kills Damien, so now Batman has nobody. So I think realistically, it's probably not going to happen where they have Robin in it. I think that they could do some really cool stories involving Robin or involving uh, Dick Grayson as Nightwing, outside of having them to do with Batman, but I think that the only way it ends up working is if it's in animation because the character is just already there. Explaining the origin of Dick Grayson or any other Robin to make them the partner of Batman just is not going to translate very well in live-action movies. I actually kind of disagree. I, I think it could be done. I think it needs to be done with... I mean, maybe you, you do have to take out the circus aspect... But you could have, you know, the murder of Dick's parents in front of Batman or in front of Bruce at a performance. He could theoretically offer to take him in. But then you do have to cut to several years in the future. And maybe it's, you know, just a night where they're going out on patrol and and you see that he has grown up and he has learned to fight crime alongside Batman. You really... Uh, the rest of the stuff is is almost extraneous. You don't really need it there, but you do have to get over the ick factor of a middle-aged man adopting, like, a nine-year-old boy. So that that's the only issue that I think really presents itself. Other than that, I do think it's possible to be done in a live-action format, but I don't know if necessarily it would add anything to the Batman movies at this point. Yeah, I think that that could work. That idea provided that, you know, it was able to work within sequels or you were able to have an ongoing 
Batman series, I actually think that perhaps the best place for Robin or Nightwing to appear would actually perhaps be with Green Arrow, with the, the Arrow TV series. Already he's made several trips into Bloodhaven. There's sort of been nods towards Gotham as well. And I think having him work with what are, you know, admittedly, you know, slightly lesser characters than Batman would work within that that series, you know, maybe in the third or fourth series to have them them appear in maybe a couple of episodes, not be a, a main standing character, but just there, especially if they're introducing Roy Harper as well, you know, you've got an opportunity really to work with with Robin. Um, um, maybe if it's just he, he comes in for a couple of episodes and then invites Roy also to join, you know, Teen Titans, but you never see anything about that. I think that's really where it's got the aspect to work because you don't necessarily need to put in as much information and have things line up. And then also, you know, it hints that there's a Batman which would relate to the, the films, which is obviously where Batman's going to be because they're not going to put him into a a live-action TV series. And, you know, it's it, it's not going to overshadow Arrow either. Um, I, I think, to be honest, that's probably the best way to do it. All right, so with that, that is all of our listener Q&As. As I mentioned, head over to the website to leave your comments in the podcast post. And you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net and we'll get to those on the next episode. With that, that is everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, merchandise, TV, video games, and of course the comics as well. In addition to that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well as follow us on our or check out our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans related to everything Batman related. In addition to that, you can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And as I said, you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Melinda. And this is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Avoid Superman. merchandise oh yeah i did yeah that was <laughs> yeah you, you know I've, I've stocked up i've got all the the royal baby mugs and like i'm excited you know it's nice for them and it's kind of like yay there's a you know it's a royal family baby thing but at the same time it's like it's not exactly like the royal wedding it's just not even close to the same level of sort of excitement or the Olympics or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's just a lot of tat, really. <laughs> How I because I mean, what's have you? Well, obviously you haven't seen the news, but has there been any kind of coverage in America? Because I know they went nuts last time for it.
Not that I've seen. <clears throat> the extensive news that I actually see is probably the random headlines that they have on Yahoo's homepage. Mm. And uh, my email is actually registered through England. I can't really explain why. It just is. <laughs> and uh, when I would log out of my email to log into a different account, it would, sh- it would yeah. show me the headlines for the UK. And... It was funny because I, I there's some headlines said that, uh, based off of what like the the small amount of pictures that w- was being shown with the baby, any merchandise that the baby was or like that the parents were buying for their kid or someone bought for the kid was going to be like flying off shelves like hotcakes because if it's good enough for the royals and it's good enough for everyone else. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself. That's pretty amusing. I mean, it's it's not it's not that far fetched because stuff like that happens over here. It's just with royalty, uh, with celebrities instead of royalty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the this if, if I mean that the kids as it's as it's getting a bit older, um, like already there are, you know, um, you know, like the really trashy celebrity magazines that you get in in, um, like are you supermarkets about things like that. Oh, uh, yeah, are all the, uh, yeah, exactly. Are already sort of talking about Kate's after baby diet and how she's going to lose all this weight and how everybody else should be following it. So it's, yeah, I mean, the same li- thing happens every time they did that for uh, Britney Spears and Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian yeah. recently, yeah. Yeah, so it's just every time, like. It's all going to be, and there'll be next year as well. They'll do the popular names, and it'll be George and Alexander because that's what someone has named their kids. It's just, yeah. it's. I mean, the the best thing was though was the news reports because they they did like all this live reporting from it. It was essentially just twenty four hours of these news reporters stood outside going, "Well, we've had nothing yet." <laughs> uh, the baby might be coming, it might not be coming, we don't know, and now here is a man dressed in a Union Jack to tell us all how excited he is. Uh, so, oh, it was t- Followed by uh, probably 20 minute replays of the same news yeah. montage of her <laughs> being pregnant. Yes. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's literally, and here is a picture of the car coming to the hospital, uh, we've shown you this ten times, like... It's, yeah, you know how the Olympics showed Britain at its best, and it was brilliant and it was exciting. This is Britain at its most eccentric. 